Cleaning up poop or pee from our furry friends can be some of the least enjoyable aspects of pet ownership, but those bodily wastes can provide some of the most valuable insights into our pet's health. Today, we're going to talk about urine and fecal testing with Zoe Smith. So grab your poop bag and urine collection kit, and let's begin with the Family Pet Podcast. Welcome back, Curious Pet Parents, to the Family Pet Podcast, a podcast for curious pet parents where we believe the more you know about pet health care, the better pet parent you can be. I'm your host, Michael Shirley, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Stephen Shirley. Stephen, welcome back. Hello, hello, Michael. Hey, I got a question for you. Oh, no. Here when's, we go. When's the last time you changed a diaper on a child? On a child? I uh, would probably be my nephew, um, Jacob, who's four, so three years ago. Well, mine's been a lot longer, so, and that honestly is a contest I wasn't wanting to win. So I'm, I'm, I don't, ho- I hope not to change another diaper until so, I have grandkids. In many years, if any of my children are listening, that just tells that just tells Jacob <laughs> later who his favorite uncle is. So that's right. Well, he'll just know me as the guy to have fun, not to change his diaper. He won't remember that anyway. No, I don't remember. Probably not getting my diapers changed. <laughs> I don't even know where we're going with this. Hey, talk, listen, we have a, a a guest in studio here with us at the Spread the Positive Studios repeat in Murfreesboro, guest. Tennessee. A Second time guest. We didn't scare her away the first time, uh, which is good. So far, everyone we've asked to come back has said yes, and this is good. So Zoe Smith is back with us. She's one of the licensed veterinary medical technicians at Family Pet Health. And Zoe, you're here to talk to us about... Number one and number two. Yes, the most glamorous part of the job. Yes. Oh, yes. When's the last time that you had a, a animal uh, put one of those things on you, poo, pee or poo on you? Uh, well, it didn't happen this morning. Well, that's good. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're, good, we we're good so far today. We go by how when did it not happen. <laughs> it's a little easier to correct. It track. is definitely one of the hazards of the job. Yes. Yes, but as Stephen said in our intro, it's one of the, uh, as far as tools of testing, uh, there's a lot that can be learned from fecal and urine samples. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. Now, at, at Family Pet Health, I know that we ask everyone every time they come in to bring us a fecal sample. Uh, why is that? Well, fecal testing is um, it's really important to the pet, to the health, not only of your pet, but of your family as well. Um Fecal testing can we usually? Are you saying that you need to bring in human fecal samples? Well, no, because humans are gross. Okay, we've established that before. (laughs) Um, I guess got thrown (laughs) off there a little bit. Okay, so so for the rest of this episode, when we talk about bringing in a sample, it's not from the pet parent; it's from the pet. Please, please make sure it's from your pet. And yes, we have had people (laughs) try to sneak some in on us before. We'll that's a whole other podcast. A whole other podcast. Okay, so you you said that it. We ask people to bring in fecal samples because not only to protect their pet, but to protect themselves. What's the connection there? Well, usually when we're checking fecal samples, we are checking for parasites. Parasites that live inside of the intestinal system of our animals. And um, pretty much all of these parasites are what we call zoonotic, which means that they can be transferred into humans. So um, especially if you have young children at home, kids that are playing outside in the sandbox, playing with your pets that may not wash their hands all the way, it's really important to make sure that your pets that or you have around your family members are free of parasites so that you're not running into that risk. Um, and of course, it's healthy for the pets because you know those parasites can lead to things like um, diarrhea, weight loss, GI upset, and that kind of thing. So we want to make sure that 
everybody's healthy. So to this point, you're our our parasite expert because the first time you were on, you were talking about external parasites, specifically ticks uh, that were on the outside of the body. But now you're talking about internal parasites living where? Living in the GI system, which is the intestinal system. So the they, gastrointestinal yes, system. Yes, gastrointestinal system. Um, and they get passed out or their eggs get passed through the system into their poop, which then lands in your yard or in unfortunate circumstances, your home. And uh, those little, those <laughs> little guys. <laughs> Especially if it's diarrhea. That's when people call us. Right. Right? Yeah. I then, mean, let's be honest. Like... If your dog has parasites, you probably don't know until what happens. Either they have diarrhea mm-hmm. or what are some other symptoms that people uh, call us because they think that their pets have parasites? Well, every once in a while, um, if you're lucky and your pet develops a tapeworm infestation, you might even see the little guys uh, wiggling around out of their bottom or but left behind in their feces, they'll look like little grains of rice. Um, a lot of times we'll get called for those. That's a tapeworm infestation. Mm. Tapeworms are pretty much the only one that you're going to be able to see with the naked eye. Um, roundworms look like spaghetti strings. And you can, if you have a really, really bad infestation, occasionally they'll pass roundworms. But most of the time, if you're seeing them in the stool, we're talking about tapeworms. I think we have some good pictures on the Family Pet Health website of uh, tapeworms. Uh, in a poop sample um, so people can check that out maybe even video if you're up if you're up for it we'll put it in the <laughs> we'll put it in the uh, show notes we'll link it in the, the show, show notes, notes. see right. that little worm will wave at them that's right that's right <laughs> um, so what animals are susceptible to internal parasites all animals there's not an animal including humans that is not susceptible to an internal parasite oh boy do i have a story for you but if we have time <laughs> i'll share it later but okay so so all animal all of our animals can develop internal parasites Mm -hmm. and how many of those that we see in our dogs and cats can i mean you may not know a specific number but um how many can be transferred to humans almost all of them i don't know the specific number i know in our practice when we test for um, parasites the only parasite that we don't worry about uh, being zoonotic is coccidia. Um, and that's only because coccidia is species dependent. So the cat coccidia, the dog coccidia is not the same thing as human coccidia. Um, but pretty much all of the other ones, hookworms, roundworms, whipworms, um, and giardia, all can be transferred uh, to humans. Giardia. <laughs> if anybody has a potbelly pig, those uh, hookworms, you already said hookworms. Mm-hmm, yeah. hookworms. So, and pinworms, they can too. They don't they give you a scratchy bottom? Yes, pinworms yeah. are the the kids get pinworms sometimes. Yeah, I hear, yeah. I hear. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, gosh, I don't even know really where to go with these things. Um, I, talk about puppies. Don't puppies have? We we hear about uh, you know my puppy. If you get a puppy, well, it was already dewormed. Why is that so important? Well, puppies and kittens have um, immature immune systems. So if their mom, their you know, the mother cat or mother dog has uh, parasites. If they're healthy, they may not have enough parasites to shed and they may not test positive on a fecal, which means that they're just not shedding the parasites. It doesn't mean necessarily that they don't have parasites. So when those puppies and kittens are in utero, they can develop them through just the transference of, of body fluids, you know, while they're um, in, while the animals are pregnant. So then when they're born with those little immature immune systems, they can't fight them off. So we usually will deworm them when they're born. And then we recommend deworming them every two 
weeks or so until they're about eight weeks of age. Because they're as they're puppies, they're going around, they're exploring the world, they're putting everything in their mouth, right? And that's where they can pick up those parasite uh, like eggs. a human baby. Everything exactly. Yep. Everything, everything is to the mouth. Yeah. Can I? What does this feel like? Can I eat it? You know. Exactly. And so they they're exploring with their mouths, and so they're ingesting everything mm-hmm. in their environment. And because they have such immature immune systems, it's much more dangerous for puppies and kittens of a young age to have parasites. Um, because those parasites can actually be fatal to them if they're not treated. Uh, roundworms infestations can kill a small animal pretty rapidly if they're not taken care of properly. What are some signs that our puppies or kittens may have a, a internal uh, parasite problem? Um, well, obviously diarrhea, um, vomiting. A lot of times with vomiting, you'll find parasites. Um, swollen bellies, their bellies will look really, really taut. And uh, then as they get sicker, lethargy and appetence and things like that. What and causes them to throw up if they have? They're, they have worms so built up yeah. in their intestinal tract mm-hmm. and in their stomach that So nothing, they can, vomit, go, nothing right. can go out the way it's supposed to. So it's got to go out somewhere. So they'll just and throw back it up right. the way it came in. Mm. And then what about weight loss? Is that... It can be. It's what I mean, if they're infested enough, eventually, then yes, they're going. Those parasites are going to start feeding off of them, and then they're going to lose their appetite because they don't feel well. So, weight loss, skinny animals. A lot of times, you see a skinny animal with a big pot belly. That's a mm-hmm. pretty good uh, visual indicator that you want to check them out. Yeah, because those internal parasites are are eating. All, they're they've attached themselves to the intestinal wall in some cases, or they're eating the nutrients they're absorbing the nutrients instead of the pet being able to absorb those nutrients Mm -hmm. so i come in as a pet owner and say i think my dog has worms what do i what do i do what do i need to do bring us a fecal sample and we will send it off to the lab um we usually do we can do them in-house too so if it's really urgent we can do that we can do the test right there in the clinic um if the dog just has a little bit of diarrhea we may go ahead and give you a dewormer just to proactively deworm it and then send it out to the lab just to make sure that we know exactly what we're deworming for um it's also important to know what parasite you're dealing with because different parasites require different types of treatment okay and so you say bring a fecal sample how? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, does it need to be fresh? Do we have to store it a certain way? Like as fresh as possible. The fresher, the better. So um, often, often our clients will go out into the yard when the dog gets there out of the car, and will often go to the bathroom. Perfect. That's the perfect Just spot. Just grab you a little plastic Steaming baggie. hot bag of yep. dog poo. And we yeah. have seen it in some really interesting containers before. Just uh, you know. Preferably nothing that looks like it might be edible because we open those things up and it's a nasty surprise. But, you know, a plastic baggie, a Kroger bag. Biggest thing is make sure your pet's name is on it. And for our cats, does it, if if it's in the litter box, it may be covered with litter. Does that matter? No, but we don't want the litter itself. You can bring the poop out and if the poop's covered in litter, that's okay. But don't dump the litter box in. We've had someone do that once. Really? Yes. We got a (laughs) big bag of litter. It was great. And we just need the poop. We just need one little tootsie roll. (laughs) Yes. Okay. And only about a a tablespoon. We really don't even need very much. Don't don't bring us the whole sample. No, sometimes sometimes we get really generous donations. Now, if they want to stop by the office and people can call their veterinary professionals and and find out they may just have we have fecal collector mm-hmm. so it's like it look it honestly is a spork on a that's glued to a cap and you just take a little sporkful and put it in the container screw the top on you don't have to touch anything perfect so yep. if you're in murfreesboro and you want to get a fecal sample collector can just stop by family pet health but otherwise call your veterinary professional so we so we talked about what what it is how do we how do we know 
we tested it we're testing what about treatment well treatment depends again on what type of parasite okay. it is oh, i guess we already talked mm -hmm. about that okay so our treatment depends on what it is so we need to right. test it in order to find out right and the one the one the parasite that i want to mention a little bit separately is the tapeworm because the tapeworm is a little bit different in transmission tapeworms are actually carried by fleas so you have to directly swallow a flea in order for that life cycle to begin so as far as tapeworms are concerned keeping your pet on a quality flea preventative is very important to preventing them and yourself from getting tapeworms because you may don't even have to touch their poop if you have a flea on you and you're sleeping and you don't even know it and you swallow it you could develop a tapeworm infection i never right. thought about the flea going in, in your my, mouth in my, uh, <laughs> come on so it's the same you said the flea preventative which is also the same as the tick preventative you talked about in your previous visit so Correct. perfect so keep your pets on their preventatives Prevention is key with all of these things. Absolutely. And just want to throw this out there is before we move on to your analysis, the, the CDC, the Centers for Disease mm -hmm. Control, recommends that pet owners test their pet twice a year. Four times a oh, year. Sorry. Four it's times. actually quarterly. Quarterly. Right. Um, at minimum, a pet that is on a monthly preventative should be checked at least at their annual, at okay. least once a year. We would love to track it at least twice a year, but I know no one wants to play with poop. Mm -hmm. um, but if your pet develops diarrhea or any other GI symptoms, we always recommend bringing a sample to the, to us so that we can send it out. Um, may not be parasites, but that's always just rule it out. The first thing we rule out. Yep. So again, this is really important because these are zoonotic, meaning that your pet, you can get the same parasites that your pet has. So you can share them back and forth. So not something that you want to mess around with. And make sure you're scooping your yard too. Especially people with small children and people yep. who are immune compromised. Definitely. Great. All right. So I think that wraps that, it up. That covers number two. What about number one? Uh, let's talk about urinalysis. What is a urinalysis? All right. Well, a urinalysis is a set of tests that looks at the urine. And the urine, as uh, we all know, is what our body does our body produces urine to get rid of waste products so our liver and our kidneys work really hard to clean our bodies out clean your pet's bodies out and then those chemicals and different things that are not needed are eliminated in the urine and so what when we're looking what is it what does a urinalysis tell us well a couple of different things um the most obvious one is a urinary tract infection you have a pet that is straining to urinate is um, acting like it's painful to urinate has blood in their urine has a strong odor those things could be signs of a urinary tract infection so we definitely would like to test a urine sample for bacteria different cells um, different sometimes they develop crystals which are similar to kidney stones in humans but in animals they're um, we call them uh, we call them crystals and uh, then so that's the infection part of it then the other part the prevention part of your analysis is it goes with your blood work so when we're looking at the inside of a pet uh, we obviously can't ask them what's wrong so we have to do a series of different things like detectives and try to figure out what's wrong with them so we do blood work we get all that blood work back we also do a urinalysis and then we take those two results and we compare them. Um, urine testing is especially important for um, things like your kidney and your liver health. If you have a pet that's entering into kidney failure, we're going to see things like a buildup of different waste products that are not being eliminated properly. We're going to see um, 
levels of protein in the urine that are not normally there because normally the body's using that protein and instead the kidneys are not absorbing it. And it's really important for kidney health because pets can be 75% in kidney failure before we see any sort of symptoms. So they can be really sick before you... Yes. It reminds me, um, I've never had a urinary tract infection, although at one point in my life I thought I did because I was waking up at night to use the bathroom. And um, a very long story short was I finally made it to the vet office, or the vet office. <laughs> I finally made it to, to the doctor's office to get to get to church. And I walked in, I said, and I put on my history form while I was there. I was like, I think I have a urinary tract infection because I was... I was extremely thirsty and I was using the bathroom. I was waking up at night and I like to sleep. So when I started waking up, that's when I decided I had a problem. Well, probably people out there listening have already diagnosed me with what I had, which is diabetes. I had type one diabetes. My pancreas had quit. I had dropped, I was 180 pounds. I had dropped down to 156 pounds when I was diagnosed. I was extremely sick. And I got to the point where when I walked up some stairs, that's when my legs started burning they they said that for months I had been walking around with that and it took me to a certain level before I finally started showing signs even mm-hmm. though the disease itself had started months ahead and from what I'm hearing you say it's the same thing with our pets and I know we talk a lot about cats that they're very stoic and they don't you know it's hard to ever know what they're feeling because they're just they always just have a look like what you're, you're in my space yeah <laughs> um but you're saying they can be 70 75% of their renal function can be compromised before a, they will start to be sick. That's a really big deal. And that's hard to, from, I know I watch you all on our medical team, when you're trying to catch up to something that's 75% bad, that's only 25% good. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a, it's hard to catch up and fight that and get those, those animals back to health. And they're feeling miserable the whole time. And usually at that point, it's going to be, um, it's, it's going to be the rest of their lives if they right. get to that point. So, you know, there are things that can be done to immediate, and sometimes there aren't things that can be done. I mean, kidney disease does kill mm-hmm. um, pets, unfortunately. We have a lot of pets that are on special diets for, mm-hmm. for kidney disease, so it's, it seems to be fairly common. And you have to remember that pets age much faster than we do, so disease processes are sped up in their bodies as well. So like you said, you were several months of being sick before realizing that you were mm-hmm. sick. It's the same thing in pet, you know, and it goes even faster in pets. You right. know, they could be, they could have fine renal function and then we check again in six months and we're like, oh, there's some protein loss, what's going on there? And then we can check again in three or four months and we are in kidney failure. So what would you tell someone that's on the fence about doing your analysis at their annual? They're like, yeah, I don't really know if I want to pay for that. Well, the good news is, is that all of our panels at Family Pet Health come with a urinalysis. So that is an excellent, excellent tool. Um, and I would also say anybody that was, you know, balking at it, it's not a very expensive test um, for what the amount of testing that we do with that urine sample. It's really not that expensive. And um, when paired with blood work, it really can give us a complete a much more complete picture. Yeah, we had Stephanie on last week talking about blood work and she was talking about panels that included that urinalysis So when you bundle it all together, it's... Yeah, and we actually, um, originally our adult dog panel did not have a urinalysis, but we and the the doctors have found it to be such an invaluable tool that that we went to our lab center and asked them to create a panel for us that included the urinalysis. So that way we're catching even those younger pets that aren't seniors a little bit earlier. And the wonderful thing with our blood panels at Antec is that with so far it's with cats we haven't developed it with dogs but if you have a blood panel and a urine panel done within a one or two year period they can actually start to put markers out for pre-renal disease 
So you can catch your cat even before, even so before you develop. It. You start when they're healthy. So you right. know what that particular animal's healthy uh, parameters are. And then as those things start to change, then our medical team can make uh, decisions to protect and extend the healthy life uh, length of that individual yes, pet. Yes, improve that quality of life. It's really important. All right. So we have, we're have we seeing signs. We think that the, the cat or the dog is straining to go to the bathroom or it, it smells really bad. You said blood. Anytime you see blood, that's a, an issue. What do they do? Do I, do I need to have an appointment or or? If you are an established client with us and uh, we've seen your pet fairly recently within the last few months, we can a lot of times um, have you just bring us in a urine sample and start there. Um, you can either stop by the office and pick up one of our little urine kits that we've put together that make collection a little bit easier. You can use a Tupperware dish, an old ladle, just don't reuse it. Um, and <laughs> bring us more urine <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And bring us a sample and we can send it off to the lab and then usually within 24 hours we'll know. And, and then we can do antibiotics. And how much urine are we needing? A quart. <laughs> I'm just kidding. About a teaspoon. A teaspoon. Yeah. All right. So a little more is better, but if all you can get is a teaspoon, you know, you'd be surprised with what they can do with a small so amount. So obviously with, with Maverick, piece of cake. He wants to pee everywhere and all I've got to do is just take some sort of container. I go old, with the ladle. That an, sounds good. An old <laughs> an old Tupperware uh, or, what about, or Rubbermaid and and catch some on a on a female gracie she's low low to the ground it may tickle her but she's not going to stop mid mid pee well right? it, it, it's a little bit of a skill i have to i'll teach you someday Stephen. Okay. it's a little bit of a, a skill that you have to develop um and some pets just don't want you to catch that urine so if you're having an issue catching urine at home you can always call and make an appointment with us bring your pet by the office and we can try to help you catch a urine sample um and then with cats, it's even a little bit trickier because obviously they use a litter box. So we have a it's plastic litter that you sprinkle in the bottom so they feel like they've got litter in there. They'll pee in the box. Then you can just suck it up with a little uh, pipette that we'll send home and stick it in a tube for us. And you keep talking about us, but this is for anybody across the country. So they just contact their veterinarian contact your, for... Mm -hmm. Contact your veterinarian. Most of them will have it. Um, the other option... Uh, would be to bring your pet in and we can do something that we call a cystocentesis, which is where we use a long needle um, and just use an ultrasound probe. And actually the doctor or technician can go into the bladder with a needle and extract urine. Okay. Sounds much more painful than it is. It's not that, not sounds, that scary. It sounds more expensive <laughs> than a bit more expensive. Tupperware. Okay. Yes. How can you stick a needle in the bladder? I've always wanted to know this. And Dr. Shirley's never, I've never asked her. Maybe how do you stick a needle in the bladder and then it not leak all out? Because the body seals itself right back up. It just amazing. goes, yep, the body's an amazing thing. They can stick that needle right in, draw a little, I mean, and you have to be pretty impressed when those doctors and technicians hit it because it's about the size of a, a lima bean. Yeah, I've seen you all do it and I'm, it, I'm like, nope, nope, <laughs> nope, nope, not me. So, and then, and, and sometimes the animals aren't, they're not like, uh, under anesthesia i mean not some of them sometimes are, but, sometimes yeah. not i mean of course we're a fear-free practice so a lot of times we will do some sort of sedation but i mean other practices that aren't fear-free 
just do it anyway. And, yeah, and I've seen you all do it uh, when a cat was uh, was super calm. They they just mm-hmm. sat there. It was amazing. It to me. sounds scarier and more painful yeah. and looks than it actually well, is. Well, I will definitely leave it to the skilled licensed professionals uh, at the vet office. To not do me. That. Not me. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. You definitely don't want Stephen doing that for you. All right, Zoe, you know, last time we asked you to come at us with a fun fact. Did you bring us a fun fact about urine and fecal samples sampling I did i did um one thing worth mentioning really quick is just uh just to put it out there male cats that are not urinating that is an emergency oh, yeah. so if you ever have a male cat that is straining to urinate or is not urinating please call your veterinarian don't fuss around with trying to get a urine sample call them immediately and because it's, it's not just because it's painful it's because it's it can be life-threatening if they get a blockage from those crystals we mentioned earlier they can actually it can actually uh, result in death. Yeah. I, now that's a whole, that, again, another podcast that's about uh, the, where those stones get stuck in the urethra and how mm-hmm. small it is and passing catheters and trying to talk all day about out. this kind that's of stuff amazing. so much. Y'all are so skilled. I'm, <laughs> I'm impressed uh, getting to work with you all every day on our veterinary team, the medical team of what the skills that y'all have and what you can do for these pets. So I'm, I'm amazed constantly. Okay. Amaze us, amaze us with your fun fact. Now, remember, uh, this is the fun fact that will help our curious pet parents know more about pet health care, but also help them uh, stump their friends with a use. Well, I won't say useless knowledge, but obscure knowledge. All right. Well, my favorite parasite to learn about in school was called the raccoon roundworm, the Belisacarius procurator. Sianus, if you can say that three times fast. I can't, can't say it one time. I can't. I can't say it one time. We'll just call it the raccoon roundworm. Okay. Um, it's actually invades in humans if you contract this roundworm so if your pet goes out and eats raccoon poop and brings this parasite back into your home and you contract it, it travels from your from your GI system through the tissues of your body to your eyes and your brain and can cause severe illness and death in humans. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just... just the raccoon... The yeah. raccoon ah. roundworm. Okay. <laughs> Zoe, next time we invite you on, you've got... To, we've got to have... A fun fact that's a <laughs> fun, that, pleasant <laughs> fact. <laughs> Some, well, my other one was a female flea. One female flea can lay 2,000 eggs. Is that better or worse? <laughs> uh, wow. 2,000? 2,000. And they can jump 30,000 times in a row without stopping. Flea circus. Mm-hmm. That's why they did it. <laughs> 2,000 eggs. Wow. That's, that's a lot of fleas. Well, if you're still listening, you haven't been totally freaked out by today's episode of the uh, Family Pet Podcast. We are glad that you are here and a part of us. Give us a, a, a like, a follow, uh, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And uh, Zoe, again, thank you. It was, it was fun. And I've, I've learned so much, and it's always a pleasure uh, hearing from you. So thank you. Thank you. This was fun. Well, we hope that you all have enjoyed it as well. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Family Pet Podcast. The Family Pet is a podcast for curious pet parents where we believe that the more you know about pet health care, the better pet parent you can be. The Family Pet is a production of Family Pet Health, PLLC, and recorded in the studios of Spread the Positive Productions in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. The statements made as a part of this show should not be taken as an establishment of any form of a veterinary-client-patient relationship. All comments are for entertainment and educational purposes only. You should reach out to your local veterinary partner before taking any action on the things that you've heard here today. We hope that you will share this podcast with a friend, and it would mean so much to us if you would take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Show notes, links, and videos to accompany today's show can be found at thefamilypetpodcast.com. Thank you.